Sort of, yeah. Who did that for you? You ever know? I don't know if you're sensitive to to music being out of tune, but it drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> Uh, well, relatively sensitive. I, I certainly can tell. Yeah, I and uh, I'm pretty good at tuning a guitar. I always was. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's missing a string. And I think the lower, what would should be the E. I can't remember what, what it is out of tune. But anyways, who cares about that? Who cares about that shit? We must well, get down. Always fun to talk about shit. I mean, we talk, spend our lives talking about serious shit. Why can't we talk about fun shit once in a while? Exactly. You sound really quiet. Hold on, it might be my volume on here. Does this application have a Steam Yard have a control? I don't see it anymore. I don't know. It's probably okay. You just sound quiet, but it's probably nothing. There's also a windstorm here. I like I can talk fashion. really sexy and oh. close to the microphone if you'd like. <laughs> Very seductive. You start you always start the shows with a bit of flirtatious talk. That's, that's <laughs> hello, hello, beautiful talk. <laughs> I have Thank a friend, so. he's uh, his name is Max. I haven't talked to him in a long, long, long time. But he's Russian, and when he talks to it, he, he he has deep Russian voice anyway, right? And he smokes, which makes it more gravelly. Yeah. So when he talks to his wife, oh, it yeah. sounds very much like he's having sex with her in his ear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yes. So you were uh, enjoying some strippers and uh, having some beers, I heard. Well, I mean, right the show. Uh, you know, you you called, you know, you sent me the message, and I said, "Well, I better get rid of the band, the strippers, and the beer bottles, and clean up uh, if we're going to do something respectable like record." But then again, I say that to everyone, and nobody ever believes me about the band, the strippers, and the beer bottles. Yeah, but how excellent would that be? While you're ranting about your triangles and crazy shit, <laughs> and actually like laying down, you know, fundamentals of life. Well, you know, I I lived. Um, I lived on Sahedashnago uh, in Kiev, in Kiev, right? Which is, uh, it's like this old, old uh, Stalin era building, uh, and I had the corner. I mean, a great uh, second floor corner, you know, fantastic. Downstairs was a restaurant whose name escapes me right now, but it's the name of a common Ukrainian food, and they had uh, two Brogy floors. Right? Well, oh no, that's Russian progies. I was. Nothing. Yeah, no, I, mean, I won't think of it. Uh, it won't come to me because I've tried to think of it. And then, like three doors down, was a strip club underground. And then three doors down and across the street from that was another one. So, like, if you had the guys over, I mean, there was like an endless supply of getting, you know, of act like ass clowns um, available to us. Yeah. So you're saying the uh, Soviet uh, Stalin era building was nice. Oh, it's gorgeous. Was it? I mean, absolutely gorgeous. You know, you know, 10 foot, 11 foot ceilings, uh, you know, windows from your waist height up to a foot from the top. Great light. Huh. Uh, instead of this cheap, you know, they try to make our buildings narrow to keep down on the cost. But, you know, you're talking about yeah. 24 foot wide by 36 foot long rooms. Really? Yeah, um, I wouldn't have associated that with the uh, communist stuff. I mean, I've never seen the interiors. I've seen the exterior, the outer um, sort of brutalist-looking buildings. Yeah, that's later. That's later. Oh, that's okay. Khrushchev. So, what you st all those beautiful buildings in downtown Moscow and Kiev that are grand, and they were going on at the same time we were having our uh, what's that movement here associated with I like Art Deco? It's that Deco era. movement, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, the reason we get the brutalism stuff was post-war because uh, the post-war allowed us to invent panel products 
And so that's why architecture has gone to shit. It's because pre-war construction is, is built with hand products and steel and post-war construction is bought, brought with panel products and uh, too often stick and panel product construction, which is, um, it's just, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely no part of it, yeah. But I mean, I don't think they would even, they wouldn't even try to do a grant, they, even with their panels, they wouldn't try to do a high ceiling kind of, you know, vast open giant room space. They had a design sense then that was superior, I would say as well. That sounds like, it reminds me of an apartment in uh, Vienna I stayed in. And it was just like, oh, I'm saying, I was saying in this apartment, but it was like amazing spiral stair. Like, yeah. it was crazy. It was like vast spiral stair. It looked like it was super thin, made out of just like concrete or cement or something. I, I have no idea what was actually holding it up. And the ceilings in your apartment was like double the height of a regular ceiling. Mm -hmm. easily. And it's just like nowadays, you know, you just say, oh, what a loss of space. You could have another apartment up there. But no, it's. Well, I mean, before like you have ceiling. electric lights, you know, you, you need the daylight. That's true. And so they built high ceilings so they have large windows. So, yeah. but I just appreciate the you know the the absolute mass of the building, right? right. So they're quiet, right? Uh, they're quiet. Anyway, so this the main the main room is basically 24 25 by 36 with a kitchen, then dining, then this enormous living room with all this glass. And then there was a, a through an archway there was a a, be a bedroom, which really normally you'd use as an office or something, and then another bedroom, then a couple of baths, and you know it was just—I just found it to be an ideal living space. I don't know what it's going. You know, it's worth millions now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, I—I'm I, not sure. Are you trying not to say where you live? Do you live in the Ukraine still, or should I, should I not ask? No, I, I'm in the states. I've been in the states. Oh. So I came back to raise another round of funding. Well, two reasons. First, uh, I was well, three reasons. We were running out of money in the business. Uh, I'd had pneumonia for a year and couldn't get rid of it with the healthcare in Ukraine, and um, uh, to raise another round of funding. So I figured I'd, you know, I'd be back in four months. But what happened, of course, is my health didn't get better; it got worse. And uh, then I discovered my mother was fibbing about her condition. And so she needed a full time. Right. I remember care. you saying, yeah, yeah. And you stayed with her while she passed away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> which was really harmful for me, but I feel really, um, I feel really good about having done it, even though it was really harmful. But, you know, I, I sort of talked to her about it. I said, look, um, the technology to build my product is, it's, it's not there yet, um, which, and, and it will be, right? We could see it happening. It's almost there now. It yeah. probably is there now. Um, the uh, and so the amount of work we had to do to build the product then, and the amount of work we'd have to build a maintainable product today, is different. We can actually build the AI today, and we couldn't build it back then. Mm. So uh, what I did is I just switched off on my intellectual project, right? Well, yeah. uh, which I could do while taking care of my mother. Yeah. And um, and I just delayed the tech product, and I'm just about done with the intellectual product. So it's mm -hmm. about time to switch back to the tech product, and and in in moreover, the the market's ready for it. Like you know, I knew back in the early the mid 2000s what the next generation platform would look like because it was really obvious because Microsoft was failing so hard. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it, the problem is that 
you've the, the technology's got to be able to do it in the browser today right and uh so, we okay. to, and we're we've we've done it but it's very it, it, we did it at the cost of it being hard to maintain and okay. so today you can do it without that i mean fundamentally the problem with the browser this public if you don't mind me going on a, a sidetrack the problem with no it's always um, interesting yeah. all, all this public software stuff is that um when when somebody owns it you know if a google or a microsoft owns a platform the rate at which they can evolve it if they want to is fairly quickly mm -hmm. so what's happened with this standards committee stuff and java's a shit language and the browser's a shit way of doing it and right and all this stuff uh you've got this we're spending billions of dollars on producing shit shit software that's incredibly difficult to maintain and has an extraordinarily burdensome development cycle um and at the me and meanwhile because it's so easy to use and use badly uh legions of bad programmers with bad habits with under underskilled abilities come into the field and you know you get what we see today so right yeah so it's not it's a software product it's not hardware at all is that right uh it's a software product it doesn't doesn't need hardware um but oh, yeah. you know, it's so there's no there's no assembly in china required or anything uh, no it's just i mean i can i mean it's on the screen here i can show it to you um uh but the 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 real problem is that we want it to be uh um the the problem the problem is this is that you need the interface to create the data to apply the ai that produces the value and so the problem is producing this producing this alternative framework and then you know using then giving the ai the freedom to to not exploit you but to tell you how to be better right in other words the all think of it as the inverse of today you don't pay anything to these companies the the, the gap the uh google the facebook's the twitter right but they exploit you yeah. well what if that same thing was here but it was trying to help you yeah and so uh that's what the ai does and it turned out to be uh, you needed this pro my work intellectual project to be able to produce the ai mm -hmm. um even though i knew about the 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 plot how to design the application other and i mean even wolfram has figured out what's the the you know had figured out that problem so uh, uh, if yeah. you look, if you know what all the the major platforms are that everybody runs all business and society on, they are they all are variations on one design. And so are I just, I just took the one design. Well, yeah, it's pretty simple. And so I just took the one design model and flipped it around, and so that the one architecture provides the solution to all problems. And what's the original? Can I just ask, interrupt, and say what's the original program or that they're all based on? Is there? Can you? Is it like that? Can you? I don't know what know? you're asking me. Uh, if they're all basically the same program, they're all running the same design. I should say. What's oh, what was the? Was there an original software? Think of it this way: you've got a file on your computer, right? Yeah. But it it doesn't know anything about itself and doesn't have a life cycle. You can't govern it very easily. But right. So essentially, all information is some sort of object that follows that you know is essentially a task it has a life cycle 
Right. So we reduce. So so instead of having uh, an uh, an object centered world, we have a life cycle and centered world, and so uh, everything goes through this sort of life cycle. In effect, it ends up being like I don't know if you've played like an adventure game like Skyrim or whatever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, fundamentally, that's a game engine, right? In a game engine, yeah. you have spaces, objects actors and things go through life cycles right they have states yes. to go through life cycles called a markov chain or a state engine or whatever right mm -hmm. some state engines are simple and some are vast complicated networks etc but at different points in a life cycle different events are fired that cause uh changes to the environment and whatever so effectively it, um it's uh, it starts it's an accounting system with a with essentially a game engine on top of it, where mm -hmm. the user interface looks like your, you know, normal. Something desktop. friendly. Right. So, uh, in, you know, we've made a joke of we actually know, we actually can build an adventure game in it, of course, okay. right? Uh, but you, you would. You should. <laughs> no, it, it's just like, well, that's just, that's just. Richard Gary, too. Ridiculous. So, um, but the point <laughs> is that arch architecturally, um it's it's uh architecturally it's not uh it, architecturally it's uh, everything has uh an evolutionary purpose right and because most many things aren't uh very different right i mean they have these similarities uh we can determine by how you interact with it over time just like you interact with like news articles or tweets or something which is right. like the primitive version um this thing will will track those things and it can compare how you interact with things versus other people and you know it starts telling you about you know it's telling about your behavior so hmm. uh in the world well, that's amazing okay so what once again a like simple question sends you down a path of like the minutiae both like philosophically and Darwinistically and everything, everything else, and explained down to the tiny detail, Sorry, which is brother. amazing as usual. <laughs> no, no, this is why, this is why I want to talk to you because uh, it's quite quite amazing. You know, I mean, the, the thing I wish I could convey to people that all of the internal group. I mean, I've got a group of people now who are peers now, right? I mean, they're they're right. quite sophisticated. Um. So the thing we wish we could communicate is how simple the universe is once you know this stuff. Right. Because there are only a, there, there's only one underlying pattern and it only shows up in a handful of subsequent patterns. Right. And so when you see that pattern and you know the method, it's sort of like, you know, explaining everything geometrically. It's very similar to that. Right. And that's what we're here to talk about. That's let me just say this is what the show is about is about you telling explain last time you were on, you mentioned passingly, uh, along with a whole other litany of utterly amazing uh, proclamations that everything's made of triangles. And so I had to I had to hear more about this. I must know because you know, superstitiously or personally, I have for a long time been having I like started almost with like with dreams or I mean you read things about say three being like a holy number. It is. And, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. And I kept seeing things in threes. And I kept thinking and even having dreams or even I, like it started. It didn't start with this, but I remember going up on a hike nearby here up. There's a, an old pagan altar on the top of a hill and there's three rowan trees there and they're perfectly aligned, except for one is slightly out of alignment. And I always think of somehow that's 
meaningful and I don't know how or why, <laughs> just like personally, anecdotally, superstitiously, it, whatever. It, it's the only thing you can know without knowing anything else. Yeah. In the simplest terms, uh, uh, if you have a thing, what do you got to compare it to? If you have th things, you compare them to these, the other. But it's like the old math principle, three points test a line. Yeah. Right? It's the only point at which you have some idea. It's the minimum amount of information necessary you have to be able to ensure you're making, not making an error. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but from the universe's perspective, um, it doesn't it doesn't have a way to remember anything. And so it hasn't got a way to predict anything. So it's not like us. Right. We have the ability to remember. So we have the ability to predict. So when you look right. at three trees, you can predict something. You look at a tree, you predict. So you look at a path, you can predict something. Universe can't do that. It's just stuck with trial and error. So the, the since it's not got a way to remember anything, you know, you sort of end up with the miracle of the triangle, which is you have a positive and negative pole, right? Two opposites. And um, you, or a deviation from a mean, which would again be a positive and a negative pole. And you have a stable relation that captures enough energy to maintain that difference or a collapse that doesn't. So the universe doesn't have to know anything except the discovery of a stable relation. And the universe is constructed out of stable relations. Now, if you want to go to pictures, I can start showing you. And so you, you, the, the triangle is the symbol of the stable relation. Is that? Yeah, I mean, that's what we, when I say everything's built of triangles, evolution's constructed of the discovery of, of a hierarchy of continuous uh, stable relations. And the the reason, of course, is that um, just the what a what a protoparticle consists of or a particle consists of is there's basically think of it as enough velocity to prevent there's enough energy producing enough velocity to prevent collapse back into the background. Well, so I mean, all we're doing is converting available energy into which is in a disordered state, entropy into an ordered state, which we call mass. Okay, so let me just... And, and, the, and the, hold on, the universe, and the universe can't know anything. So there is no other geometric shape it can form other than a triangle. There's no other, there's no other way to do it because everything other than a triangle requires to be able to maintain some other presumption or prediction of another state. Okay, so the existence of other shapes geometrically means what? The fact that we can see them? <laughs> Means we've just. Well, I mean, it's like, what does, how do we measure shit in geometry? We measure it with triangles. Right. Everything's measured by. Is this like the only a stable relation? Did, just, did this have a basis in Euclid? Or um, did you, was there certain books you read that you came up with this? Or was this like your raw. I discovered observation of the world. I, I went the other direction. Uh, I, I knew when I was working on AI in the 80s that okay. you had to break it into the before, during, and after states, and that's the only thing the universe could know. And so once we got into neurology, we figured out that the micro column, like your brain brooks into a bunch of nerves, they come into your neocortex, right? And they're in micro columns and these micro columns are very, very, you know, they're very thin, like hair, like strands of neurons, bundles of neurons. That, uh, 
and uh, the micro column is looking for sequences. Okay. Before, during, and after, and if it can, if it predicts, it can correctly predict a before, during, and after. It saves that. Now we don't think of it that way, but a neural column, uh, these little tiny micro columns, can can store basically an infinite number of associations of predictions. So memory and prediction. It's basically prediction. The memory can consist yeah. of, uh, you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to have an observer. In other words, um, the way we think about our own memories is if there's a photograph back there and we're comparing a photograph, that's not what's happening. We're comparing the momentary, you know, very fragmentary, momentary changes in stimuli um, in space space in space and so what happens in, in relation to our body and so we build the world out of successful predictions so only successful predictions survive and so that's how we are the little bits of our brain cooperate in vast parallel numbers to correctly pre predict for you know uh, uh, frag uh, uh, relations fragments forms, objects, uh, back, uh, spaces and backgrounds from uh, for how to disambiguate all this chaotic nervous shit that's nerves that are coming into us. We disambiguate that stuff by uh, predicting uh, moment to moment uh, uh, continuous sequences. So that's why there's no photograph stored anywhere. You're not comparing it to anything until you get to the point where you've built a world model. In other words, all this chaos has been sorted into by competition into a world model in the middle of your head there. And once that's happened, reality in your head, isn't it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it, the, the stupid thing, and I'll explain this later if I need to, but it's like consciousness and quali quality has turned out to be fucking trivial um, because, the, you know, because our body is just sorting stuff into correspondence with the reality by adversarial competition for prediction. So, I mean, it's just doing an incredibly stupid, simply simple thing of turning all these neural impulses, which are just, they just do this, right? It's just velocity of, that's all a nerve does. Yeah. Of turning that into this representation we have. And we think it's, it should be miraculous when, how else are you going to sort a mirror of actionable reality except by increasing correspondence to reality? When it's all basically all you're doing is trying to predict your perception of more of more of reality. So it's kind of in the end, you know, we have all these philosophers talking about this stuff throughout history and they, they make it sound so complicated, but in the end it's so fucking obvious. It's painful. Well, I mean, it's, it is hard for me. I mean, when you say this, so if you, just said that to your 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 gang your followers they're all like oh yeah i get it no problem no i like, mean i have to go over it 20 times and yeah. then i have to pull up diagrams and walk them through it and explain it but i mean right. it, it, it it the simplest version i mean if you have a tuning fork and another tuning fork right they're yeah. either they either vibrate at the same frequency which your nerves can tell or they don't mm -hmm. But I mean, if you think of everything in the universe that we sense as vibration, it is, that's all it is, right? Then you're just, how are you going to sort all those tuning forks? Okay, let me just stop there. So how do you know everything in the universe is just vibration? Well, what's, what's the, the basis fucking of that? light wave? I mean, what's... Okay, well... I, what's, I, your, what's your... I mean, everything's vibration. What does a nerve do? It sends pulses, but what are pulses? It was vibrations. 
Right. Okay. And so, you know, for us, a pulse, the vibration of a pulse in your nerves uh, amounts largely to amplitude. But I mean, there are, there's other stuff going on there. But I mean, th just think of it that way. You're getting all this stimuli. Uh, light is, you know, eyes are the one we understand the best. Uh, I mm -hmm. think we understand. I mean, physical touch, we know it's simple. Hearing yeah. was actually the hard one, I think, because. Really? Um, uh, because while it's easier to talk about, it's harder to inspect. Um, right. The reason the reason's interesting is that when you're a fish, right, you're in the water and the water is hitting your bone, right? It's hitting, right? And so you can feel the vibration. Okay. So in our heads, these sort of what would normally have been gills sort of turn into the ear stuff, right? And get different bones. Well, even all the senses, even, yeah. I always think like even when you see things like the, you, you, look, you think of the planets and in space and like they're not meant to be necessarily seen by anything like the act of sight is purely you know incidental our sight is as good as it needs to be like mm -hmm. why can't we see the ultraviolet because you can't fucking act on it yeah right i mean uh, right. you can't so you see a very functional universe like a planned functional kind of am i using the wrong words maybe but yeah i wouldn't use planned i just mean that how you know if you had to build an organism that could navigate through time and space um, and you had to turn millions of sensory stimuli. Basically, think of every nerve you have as a thermometer, right? Right. You had to disambiguate that into, you know, lo looking, uh, hearing, uh, uh, feeling, uh, tasting, smelling, um, you know, all the, you know, head position, body position, velocity, etc. You had to figure out all that stuff. Well, how would you disambiguate one sense from another? You know, there's one right. fragment of a sense, one right. eye, one eye pixel from another. The only right. way to do it is by correctly predicting reality. <laughs> so strange. So it sorts by successful prediction. Right. So that's how we evolve. We evolve into sorting by continuous recursive disambiguation of disorder into order and that's what so is that is that your own like that's not something you took from anybody else you came up with that on your own is that true is that the case i think or... i'm at present i'm better at explaining it than anyone else right um uh i follow um numenta uh their numenta research and everything that they quote in all their papers i'm talking about i follow the forum i follow their publications if they reference a publication i read it i follow numenta numenta is jeff hawkins jeff hawkins the guy who invented the palm thing ai you know the palm thing but they yeah. went over and he founded this how to you know this research institute and they're trying to make code and they've successfully done it that basically reflects the human mind and so with the importance about thinking about code, the world, your mind as code is, and is that code is operational. Mm -hmm. And in other words, you think of it as engineering. So how does information move from one place to the other? And of course, um, you know, there's no value in me sitting here talking about the dot pattern representation of a, of a rabbit on a background and how, you know, and how many neurons it takes to actually filter that through. Uh, not, not that I'm sure you couldn't, if you wanted to, but yes, it, no, it's just no either. value in it. I mean, you <laughs> yeah, lose yeah, the yeah. audience because even if you have the pictures that they use from their presentations, it's too yeah. much. So what I do is I take the, that their presentations and if you go see my works on the foundations, which includes all this neurology stuff, 
you'll see how I work through the predictive process. The part that I didn't understand was that when, um, is that I said, everything evolved out of our need to move. In order to move, you need to know where your body is in space. And so you have, um, my God, I'm forgetting the word, knowing where your body is, uh, embodiment. So you have to develop a sense of embodiment, which is a, an intuitive sense of where things are in relation to another. Other. But that's, okay. again, a disambiguation. that has got to happen. Right. Well, that happens yeah. way down in the very bottom of your brain, really close to your brainstem, adrenal cortex. And these little layers bring everything together. But that mm-hmm. part is an outgrowth, is just a doubling over. You know, like your, your, your neocortex, which is, you know, the thick, the thickness of a dinner napkin. Yeah. Um, that thing has got six layers to it about, you know, depending on, because they're all, it varies based on what they're doing. Um, but those six layers are a doubling over of the three layers down in there. In okay. And so what's happened is that we have the, 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 every part, every little segment of your brain knows where that stimulation is coming from in 3D space in relation to your body. Okay. Right. And so you have that information at one end. And then on top of that, you have the stimulation end that computes it. I'm vastly oversimplifying, but layers one, two, and three do all the pattern matching and four, five, three, three, once again, yeah. Integrate it with integrate it with your body position. Right. That was the part in my view that we were missing. Right. Uh, when that, when I figured that out, that was the huge part. Um, hmm. And so now, I mean, I have, I keep diagrams of all this shit. You know, we know what every circuit of the brain does, the major ones, right? I mean, I know the major functions of it. Now, some people are going to know more about the neurochemistry of a different particular thing because they're interested in that region, the function of that region of the brain at a more granular level. You know, I don't, I'm not going to go into that level and I don't have any interest in it. What I need to know is how is, uh, how how is our experience manufactured from this information and how do we think, you know, how does thought made possible and how do we vary in it? Right. So yeah. uh, there's a, my, my level of understanding and description of the operational model of the brain and mind is probably bad. I don't know anybody else who's close. Joshua Bach is close. Um, uh, maybe, but aside from that, none of the philosophers are even on the right. They're not even in the right ballpark. Have you considered writing a book just on this kind of thing, as well as your, um, you know, uh, other stuff? Or? It's just part of the, you know, it's part of the work. There's no way to, I mean, to I, like, I, I, I got to solve this job. I get a job before I die. I get to solve the problem of lying. And I've solved that problem. This is a minor part of solving it. So to solve that problem, you have to have the fundamentals of the universe solved and the human brain <laughs> You know, I just don't need to, I just don't, you know, a lot of people want to be popular or whatever. And I I don't really, if I get to talk to smart folks like you, that's fun. But everybody else is, everybody, normal people are a drag really. Well, thanks. Thanks for calling me smart. I mean, it's very hard to keep up with everything you're saying. It's it's better than not keeping up or thinking because you can't keep up that it's me that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I can tell that you definitely I knew from before. I knew from, like I told you before, from debating you that you that before you say anything, you've got it covered from every possible angle that you can that anybody could imagine. Or I wouldn't say it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, it's true. You definitely have some kind of. I usually, I, I, people say you don't do, but I do it all the time. Like I just did it, right? I don't know the biochemistry 
of the speech center, right? I mean, yeah. I know that if I went and spent time on it, I would know it, but I don't. Yeah. Right. So I can't argue about that. Yeah. If you want to talk about the chemistry of the of on general how uh, the dendri- dendrites evolve and how uh, you know that life cycle works and how neurons fire, you know, I mean, I know all that stuff. I'll get the chemistry wrong half the time. I mean, I'll get the names of the chemicals wrong because I'm only I think of it as charges. But, right. Um, but it's like utterly fascinating for you to. I mean, and that the fact that from studying. Um, what do you call it? Not not AI, but the uh, artificial worlds, the uh, computer worlds, um, virtual reality. That and then from that studying AI, that you would come up with a theory of the universe in, based on that, which is it seems a very logical thing to happen, I guess. But it's just accidental. You know, mm-hmm. the problem is that that's what it means to be my kind of autistic. Is I just see patterns, right? Right, and those uh, the, the, and I and the, there's a bias to the patterns that says remove remove anything that can't be there right i that mean can't it, be there right in other words reduce everything to first causes in other words what's the what's the most parsimonious method and so yeah i just see patterns and then you know because i've gone through so many fields not a lot of people do that so yeah. you know if you try to master a field it might mean something more than is necessary to operationalize a field right so uh, if you want to, you can operationalize a lot of fields without ha- becoming a master of applying that field. And this is important. So I understand the foundations of mathematics painfully deeply. Uh, uh, but I, I, you wouldn't ask me to go solve a hard math problem. That's applied math. Right. Right. I mean, uh, uh, you have to be able to bring all this stuff. And that's those are two different things. So it's like being an architect for a building. You know how buildings are constructed. You know what HVAC has to do, plumbing has to do. But I don't fucking know what connector to use on this gauge of wire for this many amps. Yeah. Right. So so, so what I hope to do to people is give them an operational understanding of the universe. And the series, yeah. Well, it's so I've I've also heard you t- make takedowns of uh, popular theories, which I like to hear. I wouldn't mind hearing a bit about about that, um, like string theory or Einstein. I like that you both. You, I heard you say that they're both they're the both same problem. Right. Okay, let's hear that. Well, if you can what's summarize, wrong, sorry. what's wrong with math? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So. Math can be performed the European way as geometry. And geometry is a derivative of um, engineering, of human action. It's uh, based in realism. Um, uh, Algebra was invented in the Middle East for the purpose of um, astrology. So it's based on the occult. But in, the way do you convey to convert this into um, uh, co- cognitive terms? It's, it's it's European action versus Middle Eastern verbal logic. So there's always the problem, just like there is between Aristotelian Epicurean and um, de- Democritian uh, realism and uh, Platonic literature. The same th- problem happens in mathematics which we call math as a system of measurement and math as a narrative. 
And so what happened was this people, we've had this demarcation problem between the people who think in word, math of math as words and people who think of math as realism, right? idealism versus realism, words versus actions, you know, I, you know, imagination versus existential reality. And so this has been around a long time. Descartes comes along and by coming up with the Cartesian model, he basically restores realism to mathematics. So that, and that really makes a big difference. I don't want to understand how that makes a big difference. But between the restoration of Aristotle in 1200, the development of writing, um, the rise of empirical thought, uh, Descartes, it's, and then Newton and all those other guys, you sort of restored the, the mathematical realism. What happened in, the, in 1830 is that Babbage invented the computer as we understand it. This is important because the Antikythera device was 200 BC and mm-hmm. lost. And it took yeah. us till 1830 to come up with it again. Yeah. And this is terrifying. <laughs> 2,000 years, yeah. <laughs> right. And so uh, what's, terif- what's additionally terrifying is that Babbage was a craftsman, not a philosopher or, the- or the- theoretician or even a mathematician. Right. And so he never converted his ideas into a general theory. In fact, we wouldn't know that much except for, I think it was his wife wrote everything down. Really? And so uh, if we'd have had the computer back in 1830, we would have had mathematical realism tied to computation. Okay. Right? So we would have had, a, we had a re- but what happened instead is that we did we had to wait until Turing uh, in 1930 whatever 40, it was, whatever 45 30, I don't know somewhere 35 I 37. should remember I should remember and I don't um, yeah. uh, so inter in that period we had the the restoration of mathematical verbalism math so you get Cantor in mathematics and Cantorian uh, in, in Cantor in infinities. Well, right. there is there aren't multiple infinities. What Cantor did is he removed the constraint of operations and time from reality in order to just create infinities, right? So he made it re, uh, ideal. Instead of saying, if you operationalized Cantor, one group one set will produce uh, numbers faster than another set but neither will ever reach infinity, right? There's infinity just means I don't fucking know. Right. right. So uh, this happened, but this continued. We saw this happen with uh, the rise of the philosophical analytic philosophy in that failed program. And so that, you know, we get, uh, we get uh, Wittgenstein and we get Russell, we get, I mean, all the way through uh, Frege and whatever, and it finally gets to Popper, and he's like, this is not right. This, you guys have got something wrong here. And so what happened is that, so I want to explain this importantly because you'll understand why almost all the pseudoscientists, including, uh, including um, Cantor in mathematics, um, uh, Freud in psychology, Bose in anthropology, 
Marx in economics and sociology, um, Gould in genetics, Lewontin in genetics. Um, hmm. All Quite these. A list of names. Right, I have a huge. I mean, I keep this huge list of all the Jewish pseudoscientists, right? right. And the number and what's happening is that they they're coming up with these pseudosciences. They're all based on the same non-operational problem. Now, I'll tell you a secret that isn't well known is that men and women differ in how they do math. Women tend to treat math as language and use pictures. And men tend to build systems and models. Quite a bit harder to build a model. But then you can take a model farther than you can a verbal or picture. Right. This is important, right? So you're going to have more women easier at addition and ordinary calculation right up until the point where only thing you can do is systematize thinking. What do you notice between Cantor and Einstein in Bohr's mathematics? Because Bohr also was a pseudoscientist as well as Einstein. Is that they're doing math with pictures like women. Right. And so not not only is Cantor and Freud and Bose and Marx and, um, you know, everybody else I'd mentioned, I'm, I'm going to bring in my favorite lawyers, which are Rez, Kelson and Dorkin, who are the reason we're in the shitstorm of our law right at the moment. Okay. Right. So all these people are using a verbal logic. What's Jewish history? It's based on a verbal logic. Is verbal logic designed to match reality? No, it's designed like female logic to reach consensus. So it's non-falsificationary, it's justificationary, where our logic in Europeans is falsificationary. Is it operationally possible? So, you know, of course I'm going to beat up on Einstein and Bohr because, you know, Einstein uses these pictures and he gets it fucking wrong. Now, is it 100% wrong? No. But it's wrong enough to replatonize mathematics for a fucking century, which means we haven't achieved anything in the, in physics since the seventies. What what about Bohr? He doesn't. You know what Bohr says? He doesn't say, "Well, we have to figure this out." He says, "Well, it worked. Let's just just do the math. We don't have to understand it." Right. Doesn't that sound a lot like women should be believed? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, no, it's the same origin. Yeah. I'm just telling you, it is the same. Yeah. Origin. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so what? What? So what in the what in Einstein's major theories can I ask you to get wrong? What'd well, he, uh, the whole thing is um, is we know it, it. It we know quantum mechanics is right, but we admit it's purely statistical, meaning that we can't discover causality from it. We can only describe. And we know that when we try to integrate that with um, at the macro scale with uh, relativity, that relatively to, uh, works at certain scales, just like um, um, just like Newton worked at human scale. Einstein's worked at certain scales, but it doesn't work at, at very at very very large scales. Well, why? Because it's a picture. So he says time dilates. No, the rate at which at subatomic process changes varies based on velocity. That velocity can be increased by literally moving faster or by, um, or by uh, gravity, which is the same thing as producing velocity, right? I mean, it's just two different ways of producing it. Right. So uh, does space bend? No, things moving through space bend. Space is a measurement. 
or this right. other shit that there's three dimensions. Okay, let's really blow your mind now. If the universe can't remember more than more than can't remember anything, it's stuck with three. Of course, there's three fucking dimensions because there's nowhere else to store any other information that's predictive. Of course, there's three dimensions. Right. So you know, I mean, it's like you start going through this stuff. There's a guy who's written a, some book at the hundred things Einstein got wrong, and it's kind of hysterical because he really. He really goes to town on it, right? But you know, <laughs> and so, but but the underlying problem is that if you understand what's wrong with math, which I've tried to imply here, is mm-hmm. that it can be either real or fictional. It right. Can either be operational so, or verbal. Then so you know I, what's wrong with math. You know what they did wrong to math. Right. So they just kind of verbalize their way into making a fancy sounding things like string theory. And right, so, without a strong enough basis in anything parsimonious. Right. So uh, string theory is basically saying that uh, whatever's going on below the quantum level, in other words, because uh, you ha- you have the you have the pro- the wave level, right? Yeah. Below the wave level, there's this bubbling foam we call the quantum background. Whatever the hell's going on in there, yeah. we can model it as a bubbling foam. Okay. Right, but whatever's going on down there looks a lot like vibrating strings. Okay, uh, but w- that's not that. That's a mathy representation of something. Okay. Now, the the thing I try to avoid without blowing people's minds too much is that if I say all math, all computation is operational. In other words, actionable. It's real, and all mathematics is statistical. In other words, if I make a geometric object consisting of points, the, that is a that is a sufficiently accurate description of things move of some of some object relative positions rotating in in space. But it's not it's not infinitely precise, right? I mean, it it's the difference between a, a digital and an analog. And if I turn a potentiometer by this gradient, you know, I can make a potentiometer large enough so. You know, it, 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 I can get very fine tune it, but a digital scale only works by whatever digits are, are programmed right. to it. Right, right, okay. And so the so think of it that way is that all math, all math as they practice it is statistical. So there's information loss. Well, now if you go and you say, well, all math is na- the math they're using is narrative instead of descriptive, then there's more information loss. Well, if you lose all that information, of course, you can't describe what's going on underneath because you have nothing to deduce from. But if you instead describe the universe as really obvious, you know, spinning dipoles, uh, uh, stable relations and waves, then it becomes fucking obvious. Right. Well, I mean, mean, obvious. you can. So it's like, why doesn't you want to fix this? Have the government give out a. $10 $10 million prize to the first group who creates a classical represent classical description of quantum mechanics. Okay. Right? And then yeah. that'll, that'll win and we'll settle the problem. But you know, you have all these people built their careers on string theory, which yeah. is mathiness. In other words, yeah. in economics, we know about mathiness because we know math fails. Yeah. But in physics, they have no, the only, the failure has taken this long. And Einstein, people like Einstein are considered like saints. You couldn't even begin to uh, say something, you know, academically bad. Negatively well, there's an, Einstein it, right? there's an Einstein industry for a political reason. And we know what that yeah. is. So, I mean, you, you should go back and say all the people that fed into Einstein, right? I mean, it's a huge number of people. 
Yeah. Well, he did get, you know, he was working on the atom bomb and he had these very material successful success stories, I guess, with his, you know, it was, oh, no, and no, like you said, no, 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 no disrespect. You know, you don't, you don't blame a woman for thinking like a woman, right? She's a no. woman, right? Uh, you know, um, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't blame uh, an Einstein for thinking like what he is, right? He just did yeah. and he did the, and God damn it, he got close. What if Hilbert, if Hilbert had continued without Einstein um, moving first, we probably would be better off. So you think if that, like you said, someone produced a classical, a classical model that we would have a, we could end the stagnation and see a new blossoming fruition of both philosophy and theories and math, etc. Or would you say that this? Well, yeah, but it, it's going to come from right now. It's coming from AI. Okay. So and what's going to what's happening is that um, just like philosophy got crucified um, over the past right. century. Yeah, um, it did. Yeah. Right. Um, because um, the analytic project ended at a dead end when they figured out that there's no closure except reality, meaning logic was a dead end. It wasn't to be there was no logic equivalent in verb in verbal logic to mathematics and mathematics itself was incomplete. So there's no closure other than reality. In other words, you right. have to have an applied an applied case in order to make a, a truth claim. Applied case, right. Yeah. Right. And so um, the same thing's happening to physics and it's coming from AI because it's those of us in AI that understand what's wrong with math. Wow. And is and this so, is this a popular upswelling? It's not just you and uh, some other lunatics. It's it's, it's there. I, I can name everybody who has a piece of it. The only two people, three people I know who aren't wrong is me, Yasha Bach and Stephen Wolfram. Okay, three, three. Once again, the holy number, though, that's all you need, obviously. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's a Jew, a German, and an Anglo, and you'd expect, like, well, I would have expected that. (laughs) It's like like Rothbard, Hoppe, and me, right? A Jew, a German, and an Anglo. (laughs) In order to have reality, you've got to get all three together, right? And competing because the truth is it, the part of the truth is coming from each one. So uh, I just think that's ironic. Well, I have a quick question too, and I forgive me if this is incredibly naive. You know, I don't really know these things, really, but um, I, you, uh, I, I how did you? How did you? Sorry, man. Uh, it's not. It's I. As long as it's an intellectually honest conversation where I can say what I mean, I'm happy. Oh. You know, it's argue with fucking imbeciles that tell me that evolution doesn't exist or right. or that numbers do. You know, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I can't yeah. help you, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just wondering, um, how does your universe model fit in with the Big Bang theory and all that? It's no way to know. I'm not sure yet. You know, it's like there are three models of the Big Bang at least. And there are three models of the universe at least. And it's not clear that the redshift is what we're seeing at the large scale. And it's not clear that the cosmic microwave background is is telling us we think it is. Now, are they, are these theories more right than wrong? Probably, but it's not clear they're right yet. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's, it's a, do we know if the universe is a one-off? Uh, do we know if it's infinite or do we know if it's 
what they call multiple universes, which isn't like the sci-fi parallel universes. It just means that it's more like the bubbling foam on top of your dishpan, right? Your uh, your pasta, right? Right, where the, each each of those bubbles is a universe, and they're always going, right, popping and remaking. Um, no, we don't know that that's a possibility. The Big Bang could have been um, could have been uh, um, a ch- a chain. It could have been a central reaction, uh, chain reaction, or it actually could have happened more like a. Um, um, the whole thing just went off, right? Yeah. I mean, right, and it's something I'm doing this badly because I'm not thinking it through. But uh, you know, that there's a spectrum of choices there. Um, right. It's something, something, some bang happened. <laughs> okay. So, so it, some of that no, happened. <laughs> right. You don't have you don't have the the totally the the idea that the universe was always there, always will be. There was a beginning. And well, I mean, this is the the thing that they you get into is that when we say time, yeah. we mean change, right? Right. So there can there's a difference between sequence and change, right? One thing follows another, and then change. Yeah. Well, so at the there is a stable. I just posted this a minute ago because somebody repeated this idiocy. Says, well, time is. There is no absolute time. Well, that's false. There's a constant rate of time at the zero point, which is what what we call the co- the the pre- temperature, pressure, and energy of the cosmic microwave background, or excuse me, at the quantum field, quantum background. So you know, if there, there's a definitely a, a an energy level there, and at that particular energy level, uh, whatever is going on there is creating the passage of time as a constant. If you the faster you go, the more it'll change. The slower your relative position is, the the more it'll change. The um, the closer you get to a gravity well, the more it'll change. So I mean, th- these things can change. But you're talking about the the process of um, by which the uh, some subset of the material world changes. So time is you know. It's like so. The the reality is we don't know what time means anymore. Once you get back to, in other words, we don't know what time means at those kind of densities, right? For all for all for all that the universe could know is that it's always now. It's always been now. It's never been any other moment. So time is yeah. I mean, time is always a, a difficult concept. It's like in many ways. I always think. I would think this is parsimoniously and I would, you know, think that I'm a great genius for thinking this, but whatever. It's probably very, everyone has thought of this, I'm sure, but that just we as humans invent these constant, this is like the, you're saying the verbal language types, you invent a concept concept for something that isn't necessarily applicable to reality or perfect, hundred percent rational. Maybe even you could say this of time. I don't know, maybe not, but even like say our idea of the universe, what we think of it generally is like, it only really matters to us in a way, you know, necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, when you make a concept, it may not have a basis in reality, even though it makes sense to a human in the same way, in the same kind of relative way that an ant can make it, you know, a brilliant ant hive. And you could show an ant like a Stanley Kubrick movie and say, isn't this great, but the ant doesn't give a shit. It means nothing to him. But that's pure relativism. I guess that's But like, I don't know. if You brought up two, two, at least two really good ideas there. The first is kind of, I'm going to forget the other one. So the first is really kind of interesting which is that, you know, life is only possible, you know, matter is only a fragment of the, the, the universe, the energy in the universe. 
are you know a, a, the I think I went through this last time the you know a, a yellow sun at the right temperature is only a tiny fragment of that a rocky right. planet in the habitable zone is a tiny fragment of those a rocky wet planet in the habitable zone is a tiny fragment of those um, a rocky planet in a in under a round yellow sun in the habitable zone that's water has the right temperature isn't tidally fixed and has a moon that keeps the core liquid creating a magnetic food a, ma a magnetic field that protects it from radiation is even better because now we can have an, an atmosphere you know you just keep going down to these are tiny 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 things but you get to the same problem of bodily mass is that there's only so there's only a range of sizes that life can exist in mm -hmm. right and so yeah. uh there, so there's only a range of actions that the universe can bring into being does that make sense there's only yeah, uh, you, yeah. you can't you can't have human size you know brontosaurus sized humans right you you can't yeah. build them right right and so um there's there's a, so there's this narrow little window so and we're part of we're and of and it isn't really intelligent life is extremely costly so unless there's an it's really easy for that intelligent life to keep increasing the food source um right. food source then um because that's what we've done right we swapped belly and digestion for brain right? yeah. is that you 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 get into this problem of uh, we're in a we've created this hamster wheel for ourselves so we you know if you notice we're running out of energy right because we keep consuming more energy in order to yeah so you know th th we do have an, a natural incentive to get off the rock yeah um and so uh, because we're going to have to the problem is is that all of space is a vast hellish irradiated wasteland as far as we can tell. <laughs> yeah yeah um and and then moreover uh we can't move through it very quickly because of this uh problem of the quantum background and the rate of change as we go through it and the fact that the energy level of the quantum background is unimaginable to us it's so large and so uh, you know we think of it as cold dry space but the energy necessary to make that little millimeter of, of cold dry space is tremendous so right. we don't think about it that way so we've got it we have this incredible incentive to discover the laws of universe so that we can simply find a way to circumvent the problem of moving at the at the speed of um, uh, electromagnetism, not electromagnetic waves, and so you know, uh, is am I using the right term there? Yes, I think so. Somebody will correct me if I get it wrong. Let, um, let's hope. No, I won't. <laughs> well, I mean, what? there's a speed. In other words, there there part of the universe appears. Most of the universe has a speed limit, right? Um, right. But there's parts of the universe that we think don't. Right. Right. And uh, the question is whether we can get to that. Now, if we can get to that, then we have can consume all the energy in the fucking available universe. Right. But mm -hmm. if we can't get that, we're, we're screwed. If we can do it, then we can probably talk to other planets if there are any. Right. Um, yeah. But we can't. And it might turn out that, you know, we know that that is possible down there, but there's no way to organize enough energy to make use of it. So th right. these, we have all these incentives to do these things. Uh, so it, it does, it does matter. Um, at least to those of us who think beyond the end of our dicks. 
Yeah, well, I never understand people at all that aren't into the space exploration or aren't even remotely excited. People actually get angry about it and like, no, no, we can't do that. How stupid. And like, don't even want to try. You don't want to tell them that actually you're stupid because every one of the extra people like you is a dead weight on humanity. Yeah, you can't really even get this. Why do, where, what happened to the old spirit of like, you climb the mountain because you can kind of thing? Like, why well, because are they... that's Arianism and the, the rest of the world doesn't do Arianism. Well, I mean, these are other other European guys that I see. There's a lot of them that just don't like the. I don't really get it. Uh, They're called they pussies. Pussies, well, I mean, a lot of them. Are. <laughs> Oh, it is. You can meet someone. You can be ninety percent agreement about something, about everything, and then they, you know they just have this opinion they're raving about, and you totally disagree, and you just kind of like, okay, I'll forgive them that or whatever. Well, you know, I you don't know, get you, it. I don't get it. You, the, the lion doesn't ask permission of the lamb. <laughs> oh, we yeah, we got to do it. Like yeah, that's why I'm always I've always been a supporter of old Elon Musk, and I would like wrote, wrote some articles about him, and like you get a lot of flack. Oh, you you love the billion the billionaires and. I'm like, well, he's. I don't care like, if he's a billionaire. I care that he gets shit done. Yeah, he does. Like, he's not like the Jeff Bezos, who's just like a reptile. I hope, or maybe you'd like him too. Like he liked the Bill Gates. I hated that I guy hate when I when he lived in a fucking garage in, yeah. in my town. Right? I just I fucking just him. I didn't know him. I knew all of them. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you can tell he's just. I mean, he's just a snake. But and he doesn't like design his own. You know, uh, new kind of relanding, relandable rocket or whatever you call it. You know. Like so, I, think, I don't think much Amazon either, and and uh, but that's anyway. I don't. I made a lot of money from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But um, yeah. So I so guess you, we we did we get to the bottom. We really we get we to the bottom of the fact that, that you know there's basic cognitive differences between the sexes that are expressed in the way we solve problems and the scale of problems we can solve. Uh, different groups specialize in sex in six differences in cognition and express that in their terms. The primary problem the West faces is that while we escaped uh, theology, the, theology uh, largely that's still somewhat with us, but and worse, part of that uh, Middle Eastern influence is still in verbal and treating mathematical Platonism, which we'll even see out of such cherished fellows as Roger, Sir Roger Penrose falls uh, victim to it, and he and his pictures. Um, and so what you'll see is that uh, computation was the innovation we needed to have because we failed at computation and realism and we were you got you very utopian thinking because of the industrial revolution. We opened the door to the female way of uh, talking about um, uh, academic subjects. We brought those academic subject, female thinking academics into the picture. They half solved a problem, the half the half-truth of solving that problem, like the half-truth of solving um, Freud and Bose and Marx and every other half-truth they made, uh, created a created a a restoration of basically sophistry and superstition or pseudoscience, and we are just struggling to get our way out of it, and we've lost the better part of a century in in the in the in physics and some and certainly the social sciences because of them and so again this let, is me, why let me just i just have to ask so you you refer to it as platonism a lot like I, I i'm really into plato i consider myself a platonist and you put a lot of blame on him there so what is it in plato that really describes this uh, this thinking idealism versus realism right but you know we we must have idealism too like even that even our space fighting against space as 
difficult as it is, it involves idealism, right? That's no, no, that's, that, that's different idealism. Okay. The the forms, right, right. You the, don't put the, any the, the pretense that forms are exist rather than we identify forms. Okay. Right. So that's yeah. so mathematical Platonism is saying new numbers describe a real universe of numbers instead of um instead of we can imagine using numbers we can imagine a great deal with numbers and so i, I when we say well, ideal I ide that's what we mean by idealism is sophistry that uses a pretense of knowledge uh which is essentially a, a pseudoscientific substitute for for not for knowledge it's uh empirical knowledge so i thought the forms were more just to do with i didn't even think of it in terms of math and numbers when when i would read them about the forms but like so if he has an idealized idea of forms of numbers that's that you say that's problematic because that just allows for you to create any, any kind of nonsense you want i mean it's just all it is is theology by verbal means so he created from God made to the to God made this world to this world exists. So this is and they and the their rabbinical Judaism did this on purpose. They took it knowingly that that's what they were able to do. So, well, yeah, I see. I have a problem with that. I I don't know. Well, I mean, you have a problem with it for natural reasons is because you've built a lot of frames on it, but you've also you've also not kept you've not gone anywhere bad with it. The problem is. You know, you end up with Rousseau and Marx, Hegel and Kant and Marx. Yeah, but they're right? pretty far away from Plato. Like putting the blame on Plato, I find, is a bit harsh. That's all. <laughs> I just love Plato. And so for somebody, I, I find Plato the, the root of Western civilization, really, in, may, in many ways, more so than I would the Bible or anything like that. I would put more. I, I would I would find. OK, so uh, th that would be the truth for literary. But if you want the, the words. The, this is the same thing for people who study philosophy today versus the scientists and engineers is they're reading literary. They're not really reading stories, not uh, measurements. And so we're still stuck with the old battle between the Aristotelians and Pyrrhus and, right. the, and the, and the Plato and his literary group. So the, the, I would say literary is useful for the, low cost attainment of meaning and the lowest cost and a lower cost um, me, means of communicating. But uh, the only, the only are, they need to be falsified by operationalism and reality so that we can disambiguate the meaning that is, that is consistent and correspondent, even if not, uh, if not complete from that me that meaning that is uh, but the means by which fraud and deceit are conveyed right. so um, well, you love classical antiquity as much as me or anybody else and like a lot of that is based on idealized platonic form in a way like and the their their idea of the um what's the uh mandelbrot thing the fractals where the uh, fibonacci sequence and everything is like in in all their sculpture like the finger on the sculpture is in proportion to the hand in proportion to the body following a mathematical sequence. This is where we get so much beauty values from and stuff like, like that stuff is very abstract, but has value. Yeah. Uh, but then is that form exist or do we, uh, you know, is that form as Plato claimed uh, out there like heaven 
Or is it just that we observe the, the, the general rule um, of evolutionary development, which is, of course, the, you know, the Nautilus shell? So, I mean, when we say this, so, so that's the big difference. Are you claiming it's another reality like heaven? Or are you claiming that there is just humans identify this pattern in nature? I would say it's like, no, I'm not claiming there's a definite, there's obviously no definite evidence for heaven or anything like that. Or I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even go for the, the ultimate comparison that way and reach for heaven as to, to compare. But it, that is, I know he would make, he had many, a lot of his talk was relating to ideas about God for sure. And which Christianity borrowed. Uh, yeah, but most, that's, that's the only story. complaint. The yeah. complaint is, is, are you talking about ideals yeah. in the sense that they're reals? Or are you talking about ideals in the sense of meaning? Yeah, in other words, right. It's easier to convey meaning by narrative than it's just like it's easier to convey it by, by mythology. So if you want True. an abstract idea, you can talk about it in ideal terms. All yeah. of geometry is ideal. Right? It's, All right? of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, as I say, it's the forms are ideals. There are there are no there are no lines in nature. Um, uh, so, well, true. But I do, yeah, for myself, I like to hold on to a part of that always anyways. And I think it helps and plays into things. If you can't if you can only reach for that description of things, which you end up calling referring, calling God and so forth. Um, I don't know. I think it's a handy for these inexplicable things that. Like we said, the origin of the universe. Just, uh, you just think of it like this. I mean, it's just a spectrum. The uh, you you want to devolve. You need to be able to com communicate to a child through empathy and imitation. Yeah. You'd be able to talk communicate to an adult through reason, and you need to be able to communicate to a judge through or, or a general through empiricism. But eventually, and, say with what you're doing, you're gonna you're gonna need to communicate that to more average type people, and you're gonna need something a bit more holistic, or uh, you know. Right, I mean, you're gonna, have, you're gonna have to morph into Alex Jones and like start. Ah, uh, God, <laughs> ranting about demons. And... The way we do it is, we think of it as more like poetry. Is that there are a finite number of poems which are saying right. to yeah. memorize, and we can put those on about five posters, and if you have that, then you have it. Um, but all right, yeah. all right. that's and very so, very platonic as well. Very platonic. Although he didn't want to outlaw poetry, I suppose. Well, it's just a continuous recursive disambiguation of energy. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, or or uh, the basis of Western civilization. Is, you need to make it rhyme. You need to get words that rhyme. In you know, well, no, we can't. But anyway, it's possible to remember them, right, uh, this yeah. way. But I, it's not, you know, it's again, how did the, did they popular, how did they popularize the Constitution? They fucking printed it and implemented it and sent it out. Right. right. You you can so there's a difference between the science and the distribution. I've always said my job is the science. Yeah. Which is the law. I'm I'm not signing up for distribution. And right. if humanity wants it, they can fucking have it. And if they don't, tough shit. I did my fucking duty. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't uh, I don't care. Um, I did my job. So it's not my job to. It's not. I can't drag the horse to water. You know? Yeah, and and from my standpoint, I'm terrified because, uh, as I said earlier today, the um, the evidence is that the very thing that provides us advantage, which is the ability to imitate 
empathize and, and sympathize, sympathize being intellectual, empathize being emotional. And it allows us to cooperate, right? We, so that we can discover how to cooperate. But that the that very empathy and sympathy uh, doesn't allow us to suppress the reproduction of the unfit. And so essentially we're lemmings using empathy to drive, to commit suicide. Yeah. And so I think that's the actual, I think that is the problem for any uh, cooperative, intelligent cooperating species is that it looks like devolution and collapse is the natural cycle of cooperating systems. Because That's like you, um, Spangler, you know, Spangler's theory. Well, so, um, say it say here. Um, it was that civilizations basically are like living organisms and they have, uh, they were born, have a golden age and then they, they die a miserable old age and there's nothing you can do about it. And you, you, well, it's but it's not true for Europe. We just that's because we're federated. So as soon as somebody dies, the next guy picks up. So well, that's had, the thing. Well, a new one like it's it's a cycle that, that comes and comes and goes. But like his right. so his idea his idea he was writing around um, was it early twentieth century anyways. And his idea was that now the next cycle would be um, the West led by America by the America like the American Empire was now once they start once the civilization starts recognizing itself and thinking of itself as a whole. I think you said like when the Greeks perfected the, uh, was it the Doric or the Ionic column or whatever, like around the time they became aware of themselves and perfected what they were at, that was actually the moment they kind of died and began to, everything else is a downward slope and there's like nothing yeah. you can do about it. And once it's, they're wrapped around, they're tied to an ideal, like a religion usually, and it's like, it has a lifespan. Right. So, so, so all human exploitation of opportunity follows the same cycle into yeah. the exhaustion of opportunity. That's the correct frame. I'm saying that something's more insidious. I'm saying that the fact that the that we're worried about what's the great filter for life in the universe. And the great filter is in is is uh, embodied in our co our intense our sense of empathy. So mm -hmm. what happens is the more empathic and sympathetic and imitative we are, the more we can cooperate in larger and larger numbers, producing greater and greater conditions. The yeah. problem is what we will do is continue to cooperate without suppressing the reproduction of the bottom until we collapse, which is what every civilization seems to do yeah. is yeah. they tend to, they train to breed themselves to collapse and it's yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're far off the topic of triangles. So you're saying, let me just say, like, you don't, so do you look for triangles in your work now? And you think, do you almost see it symbolically or even, dare I say? Well, I mean, it's like, we're going to get a cup made that says, I see triangles, oh, yeah. right? So because you once you once you start seeing it, you see the, the general rule everywhere. And so, um, I have my screen here, my screen open. Um, We've produced an awful lot of drawings, and I um, mean, there's a lot of people involved in my stuff. Uh, Bush Long, Long Leghorn, uh, Nick Land, a guy named, um, oh, I forget his name. I want to say Dax. Anyway, we've produced all these triangles. Now, um, I'm just trying to show, my goal has been to show that it's the, the fabric of it's there's only one general rule to the universe and it just like fractals, it expresses itself everywhere. Um, and it becomes really this, my claim of evolutionary computation becomes relatively obvious. And as it works its way across 
all um, all of mankind, all expressions of mankind. So if you want me to go through some of that, I can I can do that. Maybe briefly, yeah, because it just I'd like so you when you work, you start with the basis of a triangle. You think of a triangle and how you can do it in threes in a way. Or uh, well, what happened is I, I I saw, um, I think I I knew about before, during, and after, and I saw some other things. But what helped a lot was the three means of coercion, which are force and defense, right? Via positiva, right. via negativa seduction and ostracization right which is the right, female, right. feminine and uh cooperation or trade and boycott which is the neutral right. and so if you take that triangle and you flip it on its side a little bit so you have the female off to the left and the ascendant male trade at the top and the dominant male force at the bottom you end up with describing the sex differences in group evolutionary strategy and all human behavior plottable on this sort of grid, everything from everything from psychological biases all the way up to um, group evolutionary strategies. You know, so you you see this whole spectrum, and you know, so what you're seeing is you're seeing that the primary axis of human variation is is sex, and among the sexes, uh, the um, individual versus in male sexes, individual versus group. And you start seeing this everywhere, and that's all there is. Then you look at background. You say, well, how does the universe collect information? You know, how does the universe evolve? And it evolves by the fact the universe is under pressure. Um, the only way to relieve pressure is to either expand, which we call entropy, or to, to concentrate, which we call mass. And then all mass, some of a very small part of the universe ends up as mass, and a tiny, 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 tiny bit of it ends up as us. And but you know the maximum rate of diff of evolutionary calculation is sex. It's the largest largest difference the universe has come up with. It can't come up with more than two for the same reason it can't come up with more than two charges for the same reason it can't come up with more three dimensions. So so it comes up with two sexes. So two sexes are the fastest rate of evolutionary computation. The two sexes specialize more. We we discover more cooperation between the sexes, and the area under that triangle determines the surface area of trial and error of different personalities can can experiment with. So this explains why there's such a wide variety of personality traits, intelligence, whatever among humans is because we have the two sexes plus all those traits and those traits cover the maximum adaptive surface area of time and space. So this is so, why we adapt so quickly. And when you start, like what's the limit of available novelty? You know, I, that's a, a crazy question to ask about the universe, I guess, but like, can it, when it starts these systems and it you get, a triangle leads to other portions of the triangle beneath it and things grow in novelty and complexity. Like that's not an infinite thing or it does it, you know what I mean? I mean, that, language, or the recombination is infinite. It is infinite. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, language is infinite. Math is infinite. Logic is infinite. Uh, evolution is infinite. Now there are certain constraints on it. I mean, certainly gravity, mass, energy is one of them. Um, but the there's it's very hard to imagine what um, it's very hard to imagine what's 
what's any limit to evolution it's, it's, so that the basis of uh, eternity is in the triangle could i say something so poetic or is that <laughs> saying the basis of eternity is in the triangle yeah that's the first principle that's why i say and everything you want to discover the first principle now of course i say the triangle because i'm trying to give people an ideal i'm trying to feed you back on your platonism there oh nice i'm try, like trying to give people a model yeah. right a model by which to uh, uses a general system of measurement to, by which to explain all aspects of life. And right. so the triangle happens to explain it. Uh, you saw this before Nolan charts, right, political charts, but they were four angles rather than three. And there was one one side of the Nolan chart that was always empty. It turns out that's impossible. So um, mm -hmm. what we've got is the three angles we've collapsed in a triangle. Well, I mean, We've just developed, said causality begins at the one way the universe can solve its stresses, which is by pull, which is by uh, rotation and polarization, leading to a, you know accumulation of differences in polarity, which produce mass, and that ends up being, you know, sex at this scale, and among the sexes, it ends up being expressed as trifunctionalism, the three means of coercion because there's only three means of coercion, we're going to specialize in some combination of those three means of coercion, and that's going to explain all human, human behavior. Even our personality traits are, uh, if you go to the big five plus intelligence, it's just explained as before, during, and after. If you go to our moral biases by hate, uh, Jonathan, hate is just, just uh, it's just, uh, again, expressible on that triangle as, uh, as a division of uh, reproductive labor. So, I mean... Uh, you know, hates what the six moral things are just um, how you how you would treat private and common property. So we have, I mean, all human behaviors are reducible acquisition, and all variation in human behaviors expressible in these triangles. So I mean, it's just kind of it makes you feel a little sad, really, that this whole this mystery that we've built up and this and it's really quite simple. <laughs> you know? Well, in a way, though, you are almost, it almost sounds, it sounds like you're, you know, you're not, you're being perfectly rational to say all the way through it. And very, like, it's very materialistic to say all human behavior is acquisitional. But I mean, I can see the truth of it, but it's hyper simplified materialist kind of way to view things. But I, no, I but it's, anyway. it's how your brain works, right? I mean, every action you have is simply providing serotonin to encourage you to go to acquire something. Now, you don't, may not think of it as acquisition, right? You may not think of it as acquisition. Rest, you want to acquire rest. You yeah. may want to acquire a friendship. Yeah, you may no, want to acquire, right? But it's just to, to boil it down to that word. <laughs> just, I don't know. Well, no, I don't disagree. I just think, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. But what, what I was going to say, what was I going to say? Should I now I lost it? Oh, yeah, that you're coming around about with this triangles business, whether you, whether you mean to or not, because I know you're being perfectly rational, is that it sounds a bit more esoteric again, and that there's a little bit of uh, action in that where it kind of is exciting, and that makes it feel like it's fruitful ground. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, something, it's something just that excites how, people. You brought it up earlier. How are you going to make it so people understand it? Mm. Right? So I can state, which I have, all the rules. Or I can try to or I can try to generalize that into some some uh, system of measurement, and so I've generalized it into a system of measurement that's based on the first cause of the universe, and all you're seeing is that first cause appear at different scales of 
of human human experience. So from the group evolutionary strategy to the political, to the moral, to the social, to the interpersonal, to the sexual, to the cooperative, down to the biological, you're seeing that all the way down and all the way down to the subatomic world and everything. So it's a good way of showing, saying, what's the first principle and how do you apply this first principle across all of it? Um, mm -hmm. Same way, you know, the first principle of, of um, all of mathematics is just positional ordinal names and positional naming. Well, um, that's the first principle of it. You do all that with the language of math. I'm just trying to give a, people a way to disambiguate the world so they can dis, they can uh, convert it to first principles so they can determine the difference between truth and falsehood or honesty and deception. And so what is it about the current model, the current wordy model of the universe that leads to the, like what precisely leads to the stagnation where their ideas just end and have not gone any further? Like what about the what about Einstein's method and others ends in such a dead road? Do you think? Well, like I mean, like I said, we we failed in the 1800s. Mm. We failed to complete the empirical project. So just because it's false, it's just it goes nowhere. Yeah, right. it's it's it worked. It doesn't mean it's like why did Newton was false, but it worked enough, right? At that <laughs> okay. scale, right? I mean, right. you know, I mean, Marxism killed 100 million people so far. And, Woke is bringing about the end of a civilization, but um, it's because we didn't solve the problem of what's true um, right. when we got to social science. Our church is a great example, is that uh, Aquinas basically got it right, um, and the church wouldn't take it, carry the movement across the line in relation to um, in, in response to Darwin when they could have. They could have just claimed fucking victory and said, look, we've been right all along. Science says so. Yeah. Right? They could, the church could have reformed, but they doubled down on superstition be, the same way that the Marxists doubled down on, on, the under, on the false promise to the underclass. So why is because we all like, we like our, we don't want the truth. Who wants the truth? The people who want the truth is the people that is those people that want to stop the liars from stealing from them. Yeah. But what does everybody else want? They want their comforting lies. Yeah. And they want to institutionalize those comforting lies. I mean, I put up with fucking fundamentalist Christians every goddamn day, you know, <laughs> right. telling me that evolution never happened or whatever. And it's like arguing with fucking six year olds. Right. I mean, yeah, they get very, uh, they're quick to anger. They don't. Yeah, it's true. Right. And, and so it's like, I don't want to disabuse you of your thing. I, you know, if you want to tell me that the Jefferson, Jesus was a philosopher and the Jefferson Bible is the most moral explanation of interpersonal behavior ever, I, I'm going to tell you that scientifically it's true. If you're mm -hmm. going to tell me that, the, that there's anything good about churchiness, uh, you're, 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 uh, I, I'm sorry, the evidence is quite the contrary. And it's quite the contrary by you arguing with me about evolution using the same method of dishonesty that the social construct that the church uses for the social construction of their of their falsehoods. See what I would say about the church though is when you do get to the next problem with that you're not concerned with, which is say propagandizing and influencing the average person, religion is uh, you know, having a religion or a cult is probably one of the best ways. Uh, well, right. My, my only argument is now that we know the fucking answer, why don't we just say that Christian, the Christian ethic was correct. Here's why. And uh, you can have absolute faith in it now because it's true. You, you still have to say it in a completely crazy way, <laughs> you know, with, you know, it's like something really primal.
Yeah, I guess. I, I have smart people disease. I know I have smart people disease. Every major mistake I've made in life is because I have smart people disease. I cut out for a second there. Yeah, sorry. But I was just saying, yeah, they're just like a primal animal. And they motivated by promises of heaven and threats of hell. Really, It was a great motivator. That's really what that little promise is what killed Rome, I think. Yeah, but can we, I mean, it's like, are you and I, what about, what do we do? We're the only fucking adults. Do we let well, ourselves be governed by them? No, no, it's no, we have to, your next stage would be to get a bit crazier. <laughs> and uh, I, I know the, what language, at. I know where you were going like, with that laugh. I know that? where you were going with that laugh. I heard that. I what heard was, what was going on in your head too. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> crazy than you already are <laughs> no i mean you're i mean you are but you're <laughs> correct <laughs> you're correct you're a genius obviously but uh you know a little bit crazy to uh but I, this is that's the way your brain you're a very useful tool really if you if you could be directed at anything you've chosen this law but you've took you down these roads of all these other avenues of things you could deduce it's just, very uh it's well. just standing on the shoulders of giants really well, I mean, yeah, but it really is just standing. You're I mean, quite fearless about it. The fearlessness is what helps, Rodney, too. You, you don't, uh, yes. you don't, you don't care enough. I have a, I'm very comfortable about disposing with my sacred cows. Although I, I kind of want to keep my sacred cow that women are wonderful. Yeah, I want to keep that one because I, I think I might, I think that one might be that one might throw me over the edge because <laughs> I really I like it. I don't have any problem with women at all. I know, but I, you know, you just have to say it like it is at, at certain times, you know, even like say, you know, with my wife, I don't, I'll, I'll say certain things and she, you know, she'll more or less agree as long as I say it a certain way and it'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you can't just go around raving about this stuff all the time. You just have to. Well, I don't, I, mean, I, mean, I, 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 I love women, but I mean, oh, I me mean, too, yeah. you just can't give it left to their own devices in numbers. They're crazy. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah. And even like she was, she explained to me how they work recently uh, a while ago. I told us, I said this on the podcast, I think a while ago, but how did, how was it? Her, she was talking to some pals and one, it was three girls talking, but one of the girls she told me later on had some kind of problem. I think she had a child with disability or something. And because of this, in their course of their conversation, this woman had sort of more power and they had to look up to her and uh, defer to her. So because of this, disability now that's something like men would never do you know what i mean yep that's uh very strange but and it's just how they work you know <laughs> it's that's well, it they work by fear actually that's the thing once you realize it's all fear even even what they do when they say they're good is they're they're doing it to escape fear I know. I don't want. I don't want to rant about women again. I've done it too many times. I'd... Well, no, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't either. And it's my cherished thing. Is like I. That's the one thing I don't want to have changed. Yeah, um, the, the, the good ones know that they're and uh, they don't like to hear it. You just don't say it to them. But they have an idea of how things are. I don't know. We're 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 at their mercy, you know, overall in the society. But that's they're going to run right. it to the ground. And anyway, the, your point was you've got to have fearlessness. And I don't have a, I have an un, unhealthy pain tolerance and an unhealthy lack of fear. Um, and certainly have a unhealthy, I have a fairly healthy disregard for uh, believing happy, nice thoughts if that I depend on.
Well, I think I've, 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 I've drained as much of, out of you as I can for now. I still, still don't feel like I fully understand the whole, the entire thing. Like some of the things you would say in terms of the basis of the universe and the, um, I'd have to, I'll, I'll, let, I let me, I let me show there. you a picture real quick and we'll end up. Okay. All right. Sure. Boom. All right. So here's a picture, right? Bubbles, bubbles. That's actually what the quantum background looked like, but I try to get okay. people to envision this, right? Well, I can't see it, but. You, can you see this, the picture? Oh, hold on. I can add it. Hold on. Yeah, add the stream. All right, there we go. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I was trying to get people to think of bubbles, and this is uh, the quantum background. These spaces aren't really spaces. They're full of other things. So here's, you know, I'm not going to walk you through the physics of it, right? But fu fundamentally, the universe is under pressure. It The only way it can maintain state is to discover a stable relation or it okay. can collapse, right? So I end up with this sh shape. The right. only thing that you, you greater pre greater positive, greater negative, or stable relation. Okay. You know, then I show you how the brain is organized by sex differences between female empathizing and male systematizing, and I just represent it the same way because the difference is, is this is in time and this is across time. So you end up with building up, right, consumption numbers now, capitalization quality later. So you end up with these fields. When you bring population coming into it, you see empathizing working here and systematizing working there. Turn it on its side and we end up getting the same picture, but we've turned it on its side. Um, you know, cooperation works in the same way. Uh, un unstable uh, relations collapse. Etc. So I'm just trying to point a picture of what these triangles mean in here. Okay, so you can see all these triangles, right? There's millions of them. Yeah. Right. So you can probably understand something like this one. You know, communism, so democratic socialism, state socialism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can probably see, and that all civilizations are distributed in the center somehow, right? But you can probably also see that. That's one's too confusing for for a quick understanding. But you can see that in general, a triangle works out as the three forces of coercion, female seduction, male force, and neutral neutral exchange. And this is how we capture energy by exchange. And so uh, it will if I can get into every single measure there is, that's quite in depth, yes. Right. I mean, there's just no nothing to escape from it. It goes across everything. We go in. and so the point is that um, I started out with this one. All right. This is the the first model I came out with. Oops, that one's too small. Um, I started out with this one. Right. And so I was trying to show how everything's reducible, and everybody says, well, "This is too much on one." slide um and so uh but it shows european trifunctionalism and i was trying to show that but i was trying to show how the different sex forces were applied etc how big the classes were what our different priorities were but so the guys went off and they broke this stuff into all these all these charts right, right. but in the, so uh again i only i only show this right um, I show, I'm just showing you this very, very briefly 
to to just say that when you're looking for something, you can use this triangle. You can use the outer, the you know, there was the simplified version if you want, and you can use this outer one. But in a, in any event, all of this just expresses what's necessary for the universe to do to calculate increasing conversion of energy into mass. That's all, and it can only do it that way because I can't remember. Okay, so that, that's the memory thing is like very hard just to grasp, just to casually drop in like. So because I can't remember. So you have a triangle, right? And close yeah. this off, right? I'm going to stop sharing. I'll close that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you have a triangle, right? It's yeah. no matter what you do, how you organize the points are going to have a triangle. Okay. So just rearrange the points in your head a million ways. You're right. always going to have a triangle. And the yeah. corners are always going to end up to 180 degrees. Right. No information external to the three points is necessary in order for you to, to describe a triangle. Right. Right. If you do that with any other piece of geometry, you have to have, you have to store something else other than the three points. Right. Need knowledge. Right. All right. And so, um, if you look at a video game, how are video games constructed? If you look at a wireframe of, uh, I'm going to pick Skyrim because everybody knows it. Yeah. Um, it's all it's made of polygons, but is that true? No, it's made of triangles. For the same reason, is this the it's the uh, it's the first geometry that it uh, that is a is a stable relation without external information. I'm not going to simplify that anymore. If you're not getting it, I don't know how to simplify it anymore. No, I understand that part, yeah. But like in relation to memory, though, specifically, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, so if you have a, a rect... So, so in other words, you don't, you don't have... The, a triangle is going to form no matter what you think with three points. Right. Right? Right. But you have to think about making a square or an octagon or... You have to think about them and right. design it and you have to plan it, right? The universe can't do that. Right. All the universe can do is try to organize two, up to, uh, some uh, an, a stable equilibrium between opposing forces that defeats entropy. That's and how does it even have that ability? That's beyond our, our can. Well, I mean, it's just because mechanically speaking, um, uh, the way you get a positive negative is polarity. Right, so you get increased energy into increased polarity, and a stable relation just means the is the result of capturing that energy in a state. And so, basically, if you can move spin around fast enough, you can break contact with the with the with the background. In other words, uh, um, uh, the you can break contact with the um, quantum background. So you can produce a particle or a wave, a wave, a proto-particle proto or a particle. Right. It can persist. In other words, there's not, you've got enough energy that you can overcome drag. So us, the universe producing us and us having memory is a way of it to produce further complication, maybe. Yeah, that's the scary part. That's the part that says, okay, there is a God. <laughs> well, it's also like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, not just that, but... Uh... Like say, what do you if you if you if you have certain belief? I can only use the word belief in the Big Bang theory. What would you like? Do you ever dream about what was there before the Big Bang? You try to conceive of nothing, or 
I know people have tried to describe this, but I, I never feel it's satisfactory. Just because we like, don't know uh, enough yet. No, yeah, it's just unknowable. Yeah. It's yeah. Unknowable. Well, it might not forever be unknowable. I kind of doubt it, but um, um, it, it, it would, it, it's most likely that in infinite time is a thing. Infinite time. Uh, infinite time is a thing is the most likely one today, which among, I think that's what people think. So in other words, yeah. the universe is, the universe is infinite, even if it isn't, in other words, it's been around in for infinity, right. even if it was, it isn't infinite in size. Right. Um, I think the other one is that um, it's destroyed and recreated. Um so it's destroyed and recreative uh, successfully. And the other one, of course, is that it's infinite and it's always bubbling. But it's pretty hard to imagine how, how right. you know, you, you can't have something without, you can't have, you can't have nothing without something just as much as you can have something without nothing. Yeah. So yes. um, you yes. just don't know, we just don't know the answer. And so it's like my answer to God is I don't fucking know. I don't have to know. Right. I just have yeah. to know when somebody's lying to me about it, what what they think it could be. I don't need to know about that, about the universe yet. I think we'll figure it out. Uh, I just need to know when somebody's lying because they're claiming knowledge we don't have. So, yeah, when, yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing I got from Plato is the extreme difficulty of anybody making a uh, any kind of case, case for absolutism or claiming to know something absolutely like you get with those fundamentals guys like, no, that's wrong. You know, shut up. It's uh, you've really got to like you like you work so hard to know every angle of what you things you try to say that's what you got to do as that's the like what you learn from reading the socratic dialogue or whatever like how the problem of relativism yeah, I, I, I don't mean to shit on plato by the way i'm I, I don't mean that i'm specifically criticizing a specific abuse oh, I know. Yeah, of yeah. the idea uh which is to create what we call a fictionalism oh yeah word, i know that yeah, right yeah. so i'm not sure that's the same as the same as aristotle and aristotle was actually a platonist <laughs> Just a rebel Platonist. Well, Aristotle, I mean, everybody, has, everybody tells me, well, Kurt, it's really Epicurious you should use because he was right and Aristotle was wrong. I'm like, well, great, but some the symbol of empiricism versus literate, literary, you know, empirical versus literary thought is mm -hmm. the one that the whole fucking Western civilization compares is the dispute between Aristotle and Plato. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. I was like, I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I fight enough verbal battles as it is. Right. I mean, when I say Platon, mathematical Platonism, people know what that means. Mm. You know, when I say Aristotelian realism, people know what that means. Or Aristotelian empiricism, they know it is. It doesn't matter if Aristotle was more wrong than Epicurus. Right. I mean, Epicurus was more right than Aristotle. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, just I think I've, I think I've picked your brain about that enough now. That's. <laughs> I wish that I had a chance to go through the triangles with you. You would have liked it, but oh. uh, another time. Oh, you mean you haven't done it yet? Which what? I think we should at some point we should go through the triangles. I think you'd find it fun. Go through the triangles. How do you mean? Yeah. Like, we'll go through. Like, like, we'll walk through. Like from your diagram thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure, you, yeah. You don't need to, but it's just it's no, no, time. Would, yeah. yeah. No. Sure. I would. Yeah. That'd be good. I'd have, I'd have to really like study it. Then I'd have to be like a different setup here where I could like stare at the screen while I'm talking. I'm a bit far away from the computer here. Yeah. I, well, I can do that. I don't have to use this camera over here. I've got a kind of a weird setup here. Yeah, sure. We can do that. So so you're in Ireland. Yes, I am. Yeah. Now, how did you end up in Ireland? I came here on a uh, working holiday, and I accidentally got married. So 
I left on a holiday. Uh, so can, can I get and I never again went home. Now, can, can, is your wife around? Uh, she's inside there, yeah. Well, you want me to get her? <laughs> well, I, I want to hear the story of how you met from her. Oh, I met her. Oh, I just like was out and I met her. Like, you know. Oh no, but I, I can I can start something. I'm sure. <laughs> what do you want to start? What do... Oh, some start. Just make everybody laugh. I love your outfit, oh. by the way. Yeah, this is see. This is the kind of thing you need. You need to get more spooky and mystical, and then you'll. So <laughs> so, yeah. so so you Rash, said, rational mysticism. That's you're a rational mystic. That's what you. Uh, okay, I don't want. I'm just. Like, what I'm here's what I'm really asking: Is it expensive to live there or not? Yes, um, but since I left Canada, it certainly got a lot more expensive to live there as well. Yeah, I'm not sure what where how they compare. I'm, I know over the years since I've been here, like I used to go back and and uh, I just noticed it gradually caught up, and I I don't know um, how to compare other places anymore. Everything every, every place seems so screwed and yeah. failing. But uh, well, it's expensive. I rode, I rode horses on the wet on the west coast of Ireland once. Did you? It was like around. Um, it was spiritual. Was it the Aran Islands or one of these things? Or? No, it's just right on the along the coast there. Uh, I don't know if you can do it anymore, but back in the 80s you could. Hmm. Well, I've ridden horses around here, but uh, we're we're on we're not on the west coast. But... All right, brother. Uh, thanks for spending the time with me. I love you, man. Yeah, I, I love you too. Platonically. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Kurt. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.